computer science, it requires a different kind of student because you really have to be resilient. Like I created an app and I've, I restarted three times. Like it, you have to be determined. And over time, that student that's just there for the A, he gets weeded out from class because it, you really need to want it. Yeah. You can't, it's not, it's not a class where it's an easy day. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast, a member of the Education Podcast Network. Today, I'm excited because, well, I'm going to admit it, I have a friend on today. I've known Doug Bergman at Porter Goud uh, for quite some time now. This goes back uh, from the Microsoft Innovative Educator Program uh, seven or eight years ago. And Doug has just ran a program uh, there at a school of computer science that just has to be, well, you have to hear about it. Uh, he does things the right way. And what I love about this interview is I barely even get around to interviewing Doug. Uh, because his students start talking about what they do in the classroom. And I think that's the true test of what really goes on in a classroom is when you let the students be the ambassadors. So I know you're going to love this one. I would appreciate it if you'd pass this one around because it's got a lot of nuggets of wisdom on it. And quite frankly, uh, I think this is one of the reasons why we do share and grow because more teachers are going to hear about this class. And that's also a way we get recommendations on who to have on next. You can either email me those suggestions, don at startedupinnovation.com, or go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash startedup. I sincerely appreciate the recommendations and the feedback. All right, so without further ado, Doug Bergman and his students at Porter Goud. Joining me live from Porter Goud, I have the honor and the privilege of interviewing a guy that I've known for I don't know, five, six years now, Doug Bergman? Somewhere in there, yeah. Somewhere in there. And um, Doug teaches at Porter Goud High School. And, and I, before I get into um, what he's done and some of his accomplishments, I also want to say that uh, I've come across a lot of educators who are kind of pushing the boundaries and constantly learning. Doug is a consummate learner. So Doug and his students, welcome to the show. Hello, hello, hello. All right, so um, Mr. Bergman, I'm gonna start off with you. So uh, talk to everybody, one, about your, well, let me see here. I I always start off with like loaded questions that have like three questions within one question. So let me start off simply. Um, What do you teach and why is it awesome? Sure. So um, it's mainly awesome because of what you're seeing or what you're hearing in front of you because the kids are in here. So what's, what we, we do computer science. We do four years of it. The first year is a required course. I have two kids who are in that course right now. And after that point, everyone else here above and beyond our pretty, pretty rigorous college prep curriculum, they're all here because they choose to be. You know, they do not have to be here. And it's one of the most time-consuming classes they can take if they put in the time that they would need to put in time to their project. And they all do that. And it's hard and frustrating and confusing, and um, they, they sometimes hate my guts when I leave the class because they're so mad at me, but yet they come back the next day and they still do it. That's why it's so cool, I think. Yeah, we talk a lot about rigor and things of this nature, but uh, I'm going to have a student volunteer on this. We, there, there's a lot of talk that we should take computer science more seriously, but you, you still see a reluctance from people to take it across the board. I'm not talking about just at Porter Goud, but in general, why has there, like everybody acknowledges computer science is more, you know, more serious now than ever, and yet we're not seeing enough people convert over to it. Why? A lot of people just don't realize how important computers are in today's society. And they just, they feel like if they don't have to put in the work, they shouldn't. I don't know. It's just... Well, I think that people know that computers are important. 
just no one wants to do the work. Like, is there in, do you know anybody your age that doesn't log onto a device every day? It's not humanly possible this day and age. Right. So why, so all this interest in computers, why not interest in the computer science area? Like why, why isn't that, like I'm always amazed that we get like 30 or 40 kids in our program out of every grade level. And I look at the world, I'm like, why are there not 100% of the kids in here? Like in today's day and age, how could you not realize the value? For me, it's like, Charles? I think everyone's too lazy to go through a bunch of text. Just look, find that one little tiny period to curse the whole code off. And then, yeah, and I think that people get too lazy to actually go, like spend hours and hours and hours just looking for one little tiny error that can fix or mess up your whole code that could potentially throw you off course. And I, okay. um, and I think on that same note, there's also, there is a pretty big learning curve in computer science, in my opinion. Um, and there's also, there also exists to an extent a stereotype that maybe if you're not the stereotypical like glasses wearing nerd, like staring at like green text on a black screen all day, like then you, you can't do computer science, which is, isn't true. Okay, so I love that. I love that. How do you break that stigma? Because I, I agree. Like, um, case in point, in my class, I always have a hard time attracting girls to it because they think that it's a tech course and I'm not, quote unquote, techie. And I'm like, oh, no, that's not it at all. You know, why is there that stigma and how can you get more, you know, <laughs> regular kids into an area that is so high demand? In, in high school, Pretty much, they're like social groups. And I feel like what this program's done a very good job at is they involve girls, guys of all, like, all interests and subjects, which is what needs to happen for that barrier to be broken. I think it's important that, especially with what our curriculum does, is they make sure to tell you that you can involve different aspects of your life. Like when we create a game last night, I'm a big dancer, and I involve dancing in my into my game, and so you can kind of involve your other interests into um, the computer. And that's I love that answer. I'll do that. I love that. Oh, okay. So you're you're tying it into things you already love into the curriculum as well, um, which obviously speaks to to what Mr. Bergman's doing. Obviously, he he allows you guys to have a lot of of choice within this curriculum, what he, but what he started off saying, he says like some of you guys, like it's frustrating and it's hard work. Um, what makes it difficult? Why is computer science difficult? I think it's just a lot of, it's just a lot of think, making yourself have to think in a mindset in which you probably haven't had to think it. It's not memorizing facts. It's not, it's not writing essays. It's just a completely different mindset where you have to think logically and like with a flow. And there's also a thousand different ways to do the same task and nobody does it the same way. So you can't just go to the teacher and you can't just go to the internet and be like, Hey, I'm trying to do this and find the right answer every time. Ah, uh, so what you're really saying, and I a hundred percent love both those answers because now let's unpack this. So what you're saying is if, if there is a single answer and there is a right way to do things by definition, it's easier, correct? So, so, so what you're saying is this is a harder thing because you have to think more critically and 
like the, the answer isn't always C. So are you telling me that, and actually somebody started off, uh, the student in the gray sweatshirt, he's like, you know, I, the students are in his opinion, you know, maybe uh, they don't want to work as hard because this is tougher. Would, is that a correct answer? Well, I, th I think it's a different kind of, I think Tilson's right. It's a different kind of thinking. I mean, if you're, you could come into my class and hang out in the back corner and not work hard and probably survive the class and get through maybe even with a good grade. I don't know. Cause my grading system is not designed to handle that kid because voluntary. So I think for those who are willing to put that time in and like Alexa talked about her idea for dancing, she really wanted to have this thing happen. Like she wanted to happen. The only way that was going to happen, she had to do it. I wasn't going to do it. Rory wasn't going to do it. So if Alexa didn't do it, it wouldn't happen. And um, at the end of whatever projects we work on, most of the kids are really proud of that because they've, they've earned it. And it was not given to them. God knows it wasn't given to them. So I think that's one reason why they're here is because they don't mind working hard if they can invest in something that they're doing. No, so Ms. Bergman, the, then I, I love that because I, I run into the same problem. I have some kids that are built on compliance and then I have some some kids that are built on uh, drive and that whole, you know, Daniel Pink master autonomy purpose. They're, they like to be left alone and work and they want to know that their project has a purpose, i.e., you know, the girl that wants to work on computer science and somehow associated with dancing. I think that's wonderful. And then there's some kids that are like, okay, what do I need to do to get an A? Would you, okay, can I, can I just do that? And that's it. And then I'll stop with that. So how do you deal with that kid who just said, I'm here for the A, I'm not here to do anything extra, just give me the minimum and I'll, I'll check in and check out. How do you deal with them? Or actually, you know what, this would probably be better for the students. You're clearly here because you're, you wanna be here, so God bless you. What, and you, a couple of you said, have used that word mindset. Your mindset is that you want to work on things because it's relevant to you, it's a little bit harder than the norm, what like what separates that from the student that just wants to be a student? Well, computer science it requires a different kind of student because you really have to be resilient. Like I created an app and I I restarted three times. Like it, you have to be determined. And over time, that student that's just there for the A, he gets weeded out from class because it, you really need to want it. Yeah. You can't. It's not. It's not a class where it's an easy A. And so, Don, the, the, the layout of our program is, you know, we, we accept as many kids as we can within reason in that first year. And then over the course of years, they, they either self-select or they're helped to self-select out of that. So that ideally you get to the senior year and everyone who's there, for the most part, really, really has earned their spot in there. But there are still kids in our program who are there, not necessarily even for the A. They just enjoy the environment and they're not necessarily working, you know, they'll do okay. And not enough to get kicked out of the program, but they're not going to be the ones you go to when you want to go see something above and beyond. You, you know, but uh, man, talk about that linchpin mentality, though. Like, what makes my heart sing, although the student said, he's like, you know, this isn't for everybody because most students don't think this way. He is correct, but that's what scares me. I mean, what's out there after they leave school? Like, people aren't employing the people that just show up there and clock in and clock out. They want people that have a work ethic. They want people that have vision. They want people that can see these patterns ahead of time. And in this environment, and this is exactly why I wanted you guys on the show, like you guys are demonstrating what is highly in demand for post high school, yet a lot of people, and, and I don't blame them, they don't wanna select anything that's a little bit harder because we view too many people view school as a compliance thing, not as a I want to do thing. 
I mean, I remember when I was in college, I always tried to sign up for the professor that was easy, right? Or the word got out that this, this teacher was really nice, which was code for easy A. And the teacher that was really mean was code for it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Now, here's what I want to hear from, how many of you guys are gamers? Sorry, I'm doing a visual thing on a podcast, which is a bad thing. So there's some hands up, right? So imagine this. Imagine you pay $75. Was a game's about 70, 75 bucks now, right? Imagine you paid 70 bucks for a video game and you beat the entire game on your first try. You don't even die once. You don't repeat, no reset. What would you think of that game? It's either terrible or you are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and the reality is, is that it's, it's too easy. It's, it is terrible, correct? Yet when we look at the teacher who's too easy, is that, do, do we want our money back for that? You, you wanted your, if you, if you laid $70 down for a video game and you beat it on your first try, you're like, well, that was too easy. I demand a higher skill level. I demand to be better. I don't want to make it this easy, but in school we're like, oh man, I hope I get the easy A. So I don't, so one is based on compliance. I'm here, give me my A. And the other one is built on growth. And what I dig is, is that you guys are here on growth. And I, I think that that's wonderful. All right, no, so one, one thing in regards to what you just said, that what I love about the game that because most games don't end in that first five minutes and they will fail, 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 fail. And yet the next day they are right back there doing it again. And in my class, and they're going to all nod here, pretty much we fail 90% of the time during the class for that one maybe success. And yet they're all laughing, nodding their heads right now. But yet so that is the way that computer science works. Yeah. Well, and, and, and honestly, like, I think that that's innate. Once you get past it, that failure is a part of it. Okay, I've got two words for you if we're going to gamify this. Flappy birds. <laughs> you couldn't win. You had to fail, but you kept getting incrementally better. You know, I, I'm old school, so is Mr. Bergman. Like Donkey Kong and Pac-Man were it for us, right? And so it was so difficult, but there was a pattern there and we knew that we'd get incrementally better. And I think that that's why I, I like it when teachers gamify things, but I also like it when, when you guys talk about, you know, writing code and you know that it's not going to be perfect. You submit it and you're like, there's going to be five or six errors in here and that's going to be fine as opposed to, you know, you possibly getting a B on a standard class because that B is a badge of shame kind of thing. I like that. I'm going to fail and that's cool. Let's keep moving forward attitude. All right. So let me, let me hear some, um, some stories. What are like, what are some of the things that you're working on that you are like, this is pretty cool. You should check this out. At Porter Galb, we have a um, cybersecurity team and we're in our third year of uh, having it. And I'm the I'm the head of it, so it kind of goes it kind of goes hand in hand with the computer science program because as seniors the for the third quarter in the second semester is all cybersecurity. It's all both doing red team and blue team, uh, so hacking and also defensive countermeasures against attacks. And even in, within computer science, that forces you to think a complete a different way than just writing code. So. In the cybersecurity team, uh, we recently placed 52nd in the nation in the Cyber Patriot, uh, the Air Force Cyber Patriot competition. And um, 
we just have like a lot of like cool stuff going on within cybersecurity specifically and computer science. And he's not giving, I mean, as if that yeah. doesn't credit, but the, here's the, he didn't mention that uh, my senior, uh, the three or four seniors right now are leading the senior classes in cybersecurity every day. I mean, Tilson yeah, is doing that's so cool. Leading them through it. So it's, and the teachers are sort of assisting, but they have taken the lead on that. And that's rare. And it's, I mean, and there it's commandingly and it's going, I mean, it's going pretty well. It's not perfect, but I mean, you got kids leading kids and, um, cause I'm not the expert on that. Tilson is, he should be the one leading that. And that's kind of neat. No, I love that. Well, and quite frankly, I mean, this is, this is, um, I sometimes have the same thing with, with my kids. Um, there, if I could change a, one thing about a lot of these kind of kids is their, um, confidence and bravado. Because when I was like, who wants to talk about what they're doing? And a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to brag. I don't want to brag. Um, that's cool. You should. Um, what I know that, and Mr. Bergman knows, like 95% of people I know are consumers. Like we watch TV, we watch Netflix, we listen to podcasts. But about 5% of the people I know are producers. And so when you're producing code, when you're working on projects that are making a difference, uh, a lot of people are impressed by that. So don't ever think that it's bragging. It's awesome, basically. All right, go ahead. Next student. So, um, the perfect example of the benefits of this class is two years ago, I started a project. Um, it was in App Inventor, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I love phishing, and our, our class is so open-ended where I was able to use computer science to make a phishing app and it was really basic and it didn't work. And then it Mr. Well. Bergman didn't work really well at all. And Mr. Bergman was like, hey look, you should make a real app out of this. And I was like, you know what, let's do it. So two years go by, three times I've completely deleted all the code for it, started completely over, and now I have an app on the app store. So I mean, like this, this computer science program, it teaches kids resilience and it teaches kids to learn from failure and to never get themselves down always take that next step forward even though they've been pushed back a few steps okay now that you've got me thoroughly interested you've got it on the app store uh are you marketing it i'm trying we haven't gotten so this summer i think i'm going to contact um different fishing guides and um try to get them to do like a social media kind of marketing base and make a social media account for it and do it through um social media i'm not sure where to take so if any if anybody's a fishing person in the audience, I mean fish it on the episode. <laughs> that boy. No, I mean seriously, like and quite frankly, seriously, think about this. It's also your age on what makes it cool. I was just having this debate with a with a um a listener and she was saying that uh <laughs> because of my podcast, this child was considering um, maybe not going to college. And she was like, you know, what do you feel about that? And I'm like, well, I mean, what was her argument? She's like, well, you know, I think that she should go because, you know, she could become a really great writer once, you know, when she's in college. I'm like, well, why can't she be a writer right now? And she's like, well, you can't be a great writer without going to college. I'm like, really? I said, the last book you read, did you check to see if they have a diploma? And she's like, well, kind of. I said, let me ask you this. I said, what if your daughter had a book published at 16 or when she had a book published at age 26? I said, what do you think has more credibility? Like if you're age 16, part of the story is you're 16 and you have a book. And that's amazing. And so the, the story that you started this at age 16, you're 17 and you have something on the app store, you have people's interest and curiosity because you're like, you're how old? Oh, dude, I should tell this to my friends who are fishermen. 
you automatically have a kind of cool factor because of your age. And I, that goes for anybody in the room. That's definitely one of my advantages also because all the other fishing apps that are even somewhat similar, there's nothing really crazily similar to it, but all the apps that even kind of come close to it, they're all not free. They all cost four or $5. And I'm able to make it free because I'm just doing this as a hobby. I did it because I wanted to do it. I wanted to use it. Whatever you're doing this week, and I'm being dead serious, I'm going to keep this on the podcast so I can hold you accountable. Please make a two-minute video. Please make a two-minute video saying, hi, my name is, and like, I've got this app called, and I forget which name of it, and you're like, it is for, and you're like, and best of all, it's absolutely free. Why is it free? Because I live in my mom's basement. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, you will appeal to so many people, and then people will pass it around, especially fishermen, because they're a small group that they're easily target marketed to, and they're going to like, dang, this 17-year-old did it. Yes, that's right. So I, and, and, and if you can't tell, like I'm, that is the one thing that we're heavy on in our innovation class is like, we're big on marketing as well. Like we think that just, you know, when you have a product out there, that's half the battle. Um, so the next step to that, or for that matter, that's why I'm sure within this class, you have some people that have different talents and you probably have a couple of people that are more, I hate to say cheesy, but a little more outgoing and they can help you market it and stuff like that. But no matter what, a lot of times, that pairing of your technical skill with your passion. Um, and matter of fact, I'm going to go back to the dancer. Um, she was talking about, yes, the, she was talking about how she made a project in a passion of hers. Explain that a little bit more. So basically, I was really nervous. It was a Connect project actually on Xbox. And I was really nervous because I had no idea what I wanted to do. And then I, at that point in my life, I was like, I want to be a theater major that has totally changed. I remember That's what days, I wanted yeah. to do. And so I was like, everyone knows the basic jazz, uh, ballet positions, but no one knows that there are also basic jazz positions. So I was like, basically I'm going to make a connect uh, game or simulator where you, it teaches you um, the basic jazz positions. And so every time you do one, it tells you whether you're doing it right or wrong. Cause it's very, you have to be very perfect when you're doing it, just like in ballet, they're very similar. And so at the end of that, we kind of did a Shark Tank thing where I got to present to a whole bunch of judges and basically tell them why I did this and how important it was to me. And they they loved it and they told me that like they would, they would buy it and I got like the highest. Yeah, the judges each have $1,000 to give away and she got many of those $1,000. Yeah, I, I got a bunch of money for that, but not real money. Fake yeah, money. money. Um, but that basically encouraged me to tell everyone else that computer science doesn't just have to be something that's very math-based and very logical, logically thinking, that you can actually incorporate other aspects into your life. Like I incorporated music and dance and all this stuff that I wanted to do into computer, which is the thing that fascinated me most because I didn't think you could do that. For the, long, for the longest time I've been in this program, I thought it was very you know, coding and coding for a school or coding for math or just coding for something that's boring in a sense, rather than what you want to do, like dancing or acting or anything like that. Wow. No, I love that. And then for that matter, even with athletics, I mean, you're, you're right. Like coding for the sake of coding. Yeah. Great. But there's so many now applications in sports. 
obviously in dance. Uh, there just tons of things. And what I love on both your examples is you started off with something you already loved and then you applied it to something that you knew. And I think that that's where our students are our best, right? Yeah. Things that you're forced to do. Like I'm forced to get my license every five years. I go into the license branch. I'm like, I'm not excited about it. And I, I love hearing the enthusiasm in both your voices and saying, I started off with this because I loved it first. Awesome. Who's got one other example of, and these are hard. So now people are like, I don't want to give me something else that you started off with that you loved and it has turned into something. Don, let me, let me premise that was in our, in our sophomore yes. year we were to really learn advanced code. I, the kids design Xbox games. They can kind of choose a topic. It has to be educational in some sense, but um, Anna and um, Lily have something they can talk about in that world. Okay. So we decided to create a surgery game and we wanted different levels that were a little complicated, but we decided to go for it. So at our first level, we're still working on it, but we um, we made a uh, organ section and then a tool section. So the person has to drag the name of the organ into like a little diagram, and then they get points for that. And that the same thing goes for the tool section. And then, so like, it's all about like learning what organs and all that. And then level two puts on both of those things together. So like you have to know what kind of tool, like what kind of scapel or inset to use to like cut into that organ or like repair or something. And then we basically wanted to like somehow create an experience of how someone would open someone on level three. But we are still working on that. Like, that we're worried is, about how graphic this is going to be. And you're getting yeah. blood everywhere. No, so how long did this take you? Um, well, we started in January, and we're still working on it. Okay. And for the record, it is March 7th right now as a recording. Uh, no, I mean, but a labor of love, obviously. I mean, I'm sure it's difficult. I'm sure it's tedious, but you, you do it, A, because you have the time, and B, because you, it sounds like you guys are enjoying the challenge, not because you're forced to, but because you want to. All right, so now you're back to your Shark Tank moment, right? And you're trying to pitch, except your judges are other students, right? They, they're not taking computer science. They're taking an extra, you know, look good to get into college course, right? And you're like, no, 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 you really should take this. Give me your closing argument on why more kids know why the judges should take computer science. Go. Um, it's important to know that every company has an IT team, whether you're going into the medical industry, the music industry, anything, every, company has an IT team. So any passion you have, you can go into that no matter what you want. And with the future, like showing or becoming more modernized, technology is going to be inevitable. Any industry you research. So taking it will give you basic knowledge of coding languages, even if you don't have a huge passion for it. But if you keep taking it, there's a chance you might discover something and uh, find something you actually yeah. I just feel like for those students that take high school courses just to look good on college applications, are kind of just going through the high school process and not really enjoying themselves. And that's why I joined computer science because when I was a freshman it was required and I found that I really enjoyed it, so I took it, so now I'm taking it my sophomore year. 
and I found to really enjoy it and I think I'm going to take it all my four years so I've really found myself and I also have like I, I, I play soccer so I kind of incorporate that into computer science and my games and my projects that I create also. So you said that this, this student was a student who was taking uh, any other college located course, but the reality of it is, is in this day and age, computer science looks amazing because we have, there's a shortage of people who are skilled in computer science and they have the highest starting out average salary out of college. So colleges need computer science majors, so they're trying to recruit it from high school. So if you're taking computer science, it looks a lot better than some other college located course that you can take. Let me ask you one last thing. And I think um, Mr. Bergman was with me when I met this guy. Um, there was a, the department head at Carnegie Mellon, which is a top three program. And he was trying to convince more high schools to have computer science classes co-taught with an English teacher. And they theorized that computer science, especially, you know, Artificial intelligence is moving so fast. It's no longer a matter of if we can, it is now a matter of if we should, that we need more ethics now in the discussion of computer science. I would like to know whether you guys think that that is a good idea or whether that is kind of slowing you down. Oh, um, well, I can, uh, I feel I can sort of, I, many a few years ago, I took a psychology class, um, and in that we talked about like the history of psychology, and then we talked a lot about ethics and we designed our own experiments and stuff. And I think that connection like is even more important nowadays when it comes um, ethics, specifically when it comes to computer science, because computer science, a lot of the advanced AI stuff that's happening nowadays is very experimental, um, and there needs to be, as there is for psychology and just science in general, like a like an ethics board um, that has the ability to like confirm and make sure that everything is occurring is ethical. And I think it's also very important um, for students who are working on computer science and stuff to have a like a more philosophical, more ethical view of um, what they're doing, and to also understand like how what they're doing and what they're um, engineering and, and improving upon is going to affect the world like on a wider scale well especially if you think our cybersecurity class you know we're teaching or tilson is teaching these guys how to hack right to beat the hackers get to know what they're doing and so there's incredible ethics in that because they could take those skills out and do do some bad you know tomorrow afternoon you know and right, so literally tomorrow we're intercepting wi-fi traffic and we're looking at what's being sent from other people's computers. So there's definitely <laughs> ethical privacy issues, legal that. issues, yeah. There's also with, the with great powers comes great responsibility. There's also the whole self-driving cars issue where Mr. Bergman in our class, he gave us, do um, you remember what that was called? The, uh, MIT does a uh, ethical dilemma thing. The ethical dilemma with self-driving cars where you had to choose between Hey, you can either kill the, the car has to choose me. The programmer has to program it, saying the car can either kill everybody in the car, or it's going to kill a mother, or it's going right. to kill a mother and a baby. And you have to you have to choose. Yeah. At the end of the day, you have to say if there's a mother and a baby there, then run into this wall instead of hitting them. 
Uh, Mr. Bergman and students, this has been an insightful conversation. And I think that you have proven your point that you, you have thinkers. Um, you have students that are thinking and that accept failure and accept all diff like different pathways to passion, but also circle it back onto, you know, computer science and making solutions for people. So I, I it's kind of funny. This is probably the most, um, actually, this is the least I've ever interviewed a teacher. And I think that speaks volumes about the teacher, though that instead of the teacher taking over and saying what he thinks goes on in the class that the people in the class are answering. So uh, from the bottom of my heart, you know how much I admire you and your program anyway. And uh, thank you and your students so much for um, really enlightening a lot of people today on, on what can be done in, a, in an awesome classroom setting. Sounds good, Don. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you guys soon.